back to another episode of independent thought my name is desmond price and for today's episode we are joined by connor hallblive who is running for congress out of kentucky's fifth district connor thank you for coming on the show today how are you doing thank you for having me desmond i'm doing quite well how about yourself great i mean it is not every day that i get to talk to somebody who is running for congress (laughs) i have talked to quite a few of these people but not Mm -hmm. every day right so i'm always intrigued you know, by people who have the ability to put themselves out there and to go and just, you know, try to run for office, especially during this tumultuous time where it feels like the country is in a really divisive place. And when I heard about your race in particular, you know, you're a Democrat running in a red state in a red district. Now, obviously, I want to get into it with you about like specifics on the issues, you know, like how you feel on gas prices, inflation, marijuana legalization you know but we're gonna ask you a bunch of different questions here but i want to start off with just like the elephant in the room here when you're running in a race like this and you most definitely are going to have to reach out to republican voters as a democrat in order to probably get enough votes to win how do you approach that political divide in this climate like how do you reach across these people and say hey you know i am of a different party but let me speak to you about X, Y, and Z. Like, like, what does that look like? That's a great question. And it's definitely a challenge and one that I have to, have had to think about as, as I run this race. And I think, you know, a couple of things is, first of all, I believe in my ideas. Uh, I think if you don't believe in your ideas, it's going to be very hard for you to convince other people of your ideas. So I, so I think that's number one. And number two is to really just focus on issues that affect everyone. You know, I have my own personal beliefs about about all sorts of issues, but I really focused my campaign about the issues that would affect someone, no matter if they're a Democrat or Democrat or Republican. Um, and we could talk about those, but it'd be things such as healthcare and 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 water, and you know, things that aren't necessarily uh, don't necessarily care about if you're a Democrat or Republican. So if you focus your campaign uh, on certain issues, you know, while also messaging, you know, that you have you know, your own personal uh, beliefs on a whole bunch of things, uh, you know, people respect that. So uh, I, I think that's the main thing is just keep your keep your messaging and keep your campaign focused on what would impact everyone. It doesn't matter if they're Democrat or Republican and believe in your ideas. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's um, it, it's a really strange place we find ourselves in right now. You know, we, we keep, you know, some people want to say like, oh, it's not as bad as we as we, you know, say it is. But you know, truthfully, we are going through a very divisive time, right? And so, and when you increase that with what's happening online, you know, like social media algorithms have us all in our little bubbles. And so we only see, you know, similar beliefs. We see all of our friends who are also liberal or all of our friends who are also conservative. So we're all in this box, believing that everyone thinks the way that we do because we don't have to interact with the other side. So when you're on the ground interacting with, people who identify as independent, conservative, Republicans, you know, what is one of the misconceptions that you think that people on the left have 
in regards to people who are on the right? Like, like what is like the common thing that you see that you're just like, oh yeah, this is just vastly misrepresented when we talk when we're hearing about people on the right in the media? Well, I think um I think it's just a misconception of degree. You know, people who are on the right do have different beliefs than I do um, about a lot of things and things that I wouldn't necessarily agree with and things I would definitely not support. But that's not what they think about all the time. You know, those those issues are a little more uh, to the edge of their minds than, than people would believe. Uh, you know, so if, if if I'm talking to someone and they bring up something about January 6th, uh, you know, I have my beliefs about January 6th and they have theirs, but that's it, it rarely ever comes up. You know, more things come up about about their kids sick or more things come up about how like they're stressed at their job. I mean, people everywhere, you know, talk about th the same thing. I think online, the kind of our more not fringe, but, you know, our our ideas that we don't discuss in our day to day, they come up more. So people think that that's all we talk about. Uh, Whereas in person, if you talk to someone, you know they they're your neighbors, they're your they're your your friends, your relatives. So uh, you know disagreements come up. You know uh, I I'm not afraid to to even talk to some of my constituents and be very strong about passionate about my personal beliefs. But most of the time, it's it's the day to day issues. It's the issues that wouldn't get a lot of attention online. Um, and those issues come up a lot more in person. So I think it's more of a, uh, you know, I disagree with them with uh, conservatives a lot, but um, our disagreements don't come up as much. It's more of the day-to-day -day issues. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's interesting. I live in a red state myself. So, you know, I'm asking some of these questions, but I kind of already know some of the answers, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it's truthfully, it, it's interesting how much there is like, connecting us versus dividing us but you know we know we never focus on these things that's not really how online discourse goes and we're so increasingly online as a nation i feel like it's kind of hard to separate that sometimes so i think it's important to continue to talk about how there is not really that much of um, a polarization like in real life as we see online you know but kind of talking about you know this uh, like one step further you know when you are out talking to people you know in kentucky uh, maybe you're speaking with somebody who is, you know, slightly, you know, differing than you as far as, you know, political ideology is concerned. What is an issue that comes up that you find that people, I guess, like who are Republican might actually agree with you more on than, I guess, national media would understand? Right. And this is kind of getting into, you know, what I base my campaign on. Uh, you know, I think. I think I could talk about healthcare. We could talk about that later. And, you know, I'm very progressive when it comes to healthcare, I believe in Medicare for all. But the real issue that brings both Republicans and Democrats, no matter what, uh, together, no matter where I go, is the issue of water. In a lot of places in eastern Kentucky, um, they there still is not clean drinking water that comes out of the tap. And so that is that is an issue that uh, doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, uh, you don't want to see, you know, brown water come out of your tap. And uh, Eastern Kentucky just got hit with some very severe floods, and we can talk about that. But um, even before then, it was that was the issue that I think resonated the most with the with the biggest group of people, which is just I think it's I think it's unacceptable that in 2022 there are still places um, in this state and in this country that don't have access to clean drinking water, and that has been the issue that ha has brought both Republicans and Democrats together. So let's go a little bit into the flood now. Now, you've talking about this, you know, in prior conversations that you and I had, 
about the fact that there has been flooding in eastern Kentucky. What exactly, you know, like led up to this? Was there was there kind of like a, a breakdown in infrastructure or what, what could have been done, I guess, by the government to prevent this level of flooding? And, and what do you think needs to happen going forward to make sure that something like this can't be happen again? And and also like speak to like what needs to happen as far as cleanup is concerned to make sure people have access to water. Give me some of your thoughts on that. Right. So the flooding is very um, it's interesting in, in a lot of ways. Uh, it it you know, so some people who are conservatives, they'll talk about how this is a once in a generation flood. So we shouldn't uh, think of it as something that's going to happen all the time. And they're right. It's a once in a generation flood. But that once in a generation flood was exasperated by policies and by uh, decades of uh, especially strip mining policies that caused, um, you know, normally when there's a flood, uh, water what you're worried about is water levels gradually rising you know you see in your basement as as the as the water fills in your basement that's horrible and and that's no fun um and that could be a terrible flood the problem with this flood is that uh you didn't you didn't just have a gradual increase in water you had a huge influx of a wave of water because there was no uh natural kind of absorption left in the community the hills the mountains and the and um and the valleys have all been strip mined to a point to where none of the land could take any of the water. So instead you had a huge influx of water coming down hills and coming down mountains that basically slammed into communities uh, much rap more rapidly than uh, even, even a large, even just a standard large flood, uh, which caught, which meant that people couldn't get out in time, especially older people or, um, you know, people with, you know, disabilities or things like that is that there was no time to react. So, I think what the, you know, what a government response would do would say, hey, we're not going to put people in a position to where when there is a once in a generation flood, which I think you and I would, will agree is going to happen more and more as, you know, climate change impacts communities. Uh, these once in a gener generation floods are going to happen once every five or 10 years. And um, we need to put it in a position to where if this happens, it's not going to completely devastate uh, a community to a point of point of no return and that might mean environmental policies or might mean uh, regulations that mean we can't just strip mine a community to where there's no natural kind of barriers to natural disasters uh, so i think that's the big thing is that yes it was a it was a uncommon flood but it was exasperated by policies that meant that the land could not um could not alleviate any of the problems absolutely you know it's it's very important to talk about like how these policies that happen that we, we almost never think about, like how they truly do affect people, because these are the moments where, you know, those who are running for office need to truly step up This is when people need them the most, you know, and also we're recording this at the end of August, you know, this will probably come out like a week or so, you know, what we saw happen in, in Jackson, Mississippi this week as well, you know, th these kind of things are happening more and more at scale. And so there definitely needs to be more of a, an intervention to prevent them from happening again in the future. So I appreciate your words on that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to have some more questions with our candidate, including, you know, Medicare for all some other topics that are happening on a more national basis. We'll be right back. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. 
Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. So before the break, you had mentioned the fact that you felt you know, progressive in how you feel about healthcare, that you are a believer in Medicare for all. You know, we are, we had just lived through a pandemic and, you know, obviously there was a scare with monkeypox, but, you know, even beyond just talking about a pandemic, you know, prior to that, you know, medical debt has been crushing people in this country. I think Mm -hmm. it's the number one cause of bankruptcy in America continuously and has been for a long time now. You know, there are a lot of people who are against universal health care. And when I talk to people who are conservative, you know, a lot of their pushback is we don't want the government to be in control of health care. Like that, that's that's the main objection that I hear from not from people in the media, but from people on the ground here in my state of Montana. When you are again talking to people about this issue, how do you approach it from a sense of, you know, this system will be better than what we currently have? How, how do you project that message? Right. I think sometimes for people on the left or, uh, you know, politicians who consider themselves progressive or even further, uh, there's a tendency to want to, you know, uh, basically, well, actually someone and say, well, the government's always involved in your health care, which which is true. You know, there's uh, Medicare, Medicaid, the VA uh, and the government, you know, regulates every every form of health care anyways. And you just want to say that. But I don't think that's a really I think you can talk about that, but that's not where you should focus your message where the government's always involved. I think the better thing to say is like, look, I, if I'm in the government, I can't necessarily take on the stress of you being sick. You know, I can't, uh, you're going to feel that no matter what, if you're, if you're sick, there's stress that comes with that. But what I can take on is the stress of medical debt, like you said, paying for, for this. And I think that's, that's hugely important. It's, it's saying that, look, I can, I, let me do what I can, which is have you solely focus on your health, getting better, making sure that you're doing the right thing, you're taking medication, things like that. But let me take on the 
stress of how am I going to pay for this? Is this going to bankrupt my family? Uh, is this going to tear my family apart? Uh, and so that's why I think you know people like to hear is and is that look I can let me help in the way that I can. I think this is the best way to, to talk to Republicans, conservatives about that because again most people, even if they're conservative, don't benefit from um, a privatized healthcare system. You know, if you're if I'm talking to a hospital CEO or something like that, it might be a little different. But for the most part, people don't care like how it's paid for. They they just want they just want to get better. You say, look, I'll let me pay for it. Let's we'll pay. You know, we'll deal with that in the government side. You just focus on getting better, uh, and that seems to uh, resonate strongly with uh, the vast majority of people, no matter what their political preference. You know, it's it's interesting about trying to find ways to bridge the gaps on these on these issues, right? You know, and obviously the universal healthcare issue is something that we're going to continue to talk about as time goes forward. But I, I think an issue where the gap has been closing over the years has been marijuana legalization. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, I feel like there's still a little some hesitancy from some of those on the right. You know, obviously I think the left is a lot more open to it, but we still see plenty of evidence of people on the right being very open towards. It. I mean, we had... States like Alaska, Arizona, uh, I think South Dakota has, you know, and these are fully legalized and you have medical marijuana in I think 37 of the 50 states right now. And so as this trend continues to go forward, I think states like Arkansas and Oklahoma and North Dakota have it on the ballot this year. It, it almost seems like an inevitable conclusion that we're going to get to nationwide legalization, but we're not there yet. And so when you're talking to people in Kentucky about marijuana like how do you come to that conversation and and what exactly do you tell people about why you think that marijuana should be legalized yeah it's uh it's a it's a vastly important issue and it's um like you said it's probably the most direct issue that seems to be changing you know we could see it day to day and you and i spoke um spoke before about how it's mostly a generational divide how everyone who is you know is is younger than than 40 seems to be okay with it and um i think the generational divide is plays a big factor in things like my opponent not voting for it who's never voted for marijuana legalization he's 84 years old um and i also think it's important like you it's interesting like you said some of the more conservative states uh, that voted for legalization are some of the more rural states, you know, Alaska, Arizona, uh, places like that. Kentucky should be one of them. I just say, look, if you don't like to smoke marijuana, you know, it's not for everyone. I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> if you like to smoke it, then that that's up, up to you. But I don't want to see your son or daughter go to jail and be involved in the cycle of the criminal justice system because they indulged in, a, in an intoxicant. Would you want uh you know someone to go to jail just because they they enjoy enjoy a beer or enjoy a glass of wine or a glass of whiskey you know you should take proper precautions that uh people aren't behind the wheel uh and they're inebriated and but you know we have a system that's already uh already does it with alcohol and i think people get that and i like you like you said i think it's more of a generational divide i don't sometimes sometimes i think that people overestimate um the financial benefits or they lead with the financial benefits of legalizing. And I, I think that's, that's important. It's, it's obviously will have, you know, some, some benefits. It dep depends on where it is, but I think the real thing is to say like, look, it's just a, it's a justice issue. It's, you know, someone enjoys an intoxicant. If they're not doing anything dangerous, uh, you know, let them enjoy that. And we also know that, um, you know, mar 
marijuana criminalization, the history behind that, the racist history behind that. It was never really about public safety. Um, but I think it's a generational divide. And as more people, more young people get involved in politics, I think it's something that's naturally going to, um, it's an issue that's going to go away. And I fully support not just marijuana medical legalization, but uh, marijuana recreational legalization and decriminalization. You know, it's, I would hope that we're just on the the downward, you know, like path of making sure that there's just full legalization and there's just no going back from there. But, you know, obviously until we get there, got to keep working towards that, you know, but there are other issues that are going on, you know, in the country right now that are, I guess, maybe a little less agreed on that are very, they're very like relevant to this particular election. You're running in the 2022 election. This, you know, seems to be a year where, you know, at first we thought it was going to be a wave election for the Republicans. Now it seems like it might be coming a little bit back towards the center here as time has gone on over the summer with the Dobbs decision in particular. You know, the big issues right now seem to be, you know, like the overturning of Roe v. Wade, you know, inflation being as high as, you know, humanly possible and also things happening with Donald Trump. But we'll leave him off to the side for now. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to let me talk about inflation for a second. This whole election was supposed to be based on that, you know, up until the Supreme Court overturned Roe. Uh, when it comes to prices of everything going up, you know, what is the government's role in trying to mitigate some of the pain that people are feeling. And when you and when we're talking about the people in Kentucky, how do you pitch to them what we should be doing in order to fix what we're seeing with inflation right now? Well, I think it was it's an interesting time for inflation. You know, this election, um, I never thought that it was politically such such a big deal. I mean, it, it was obvious that any sort of inflation was going to happen. You we got into summer and it was just after um, you know, huge COVID uh you know, lockdowns over the last couple of years and we live in a service economy. Kind of everything was placed in a position to where there was going to be inflation, but it was as we're kind of seeing now, it's it's receding, it's receding a lot. Um but I think that again, I think sometimes people on the left uh they do overlook um, the fact that that prices of bread and prices of, of of gasoline they affect most people's lives. I think the people on the right exploit that, and they they're not uh, speaking in good faith. But it is something that that's an issue. So I think that if you allow people to live beyond just a razor's edge, where a price change could uh, drastically affect their lives, that 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 helps them reduce kind of the uh, impact of inflation. You know, if we had policies to where, uh, like I said, if your medic, if your medical care is covered, if your transportation is, is covered, um, you know, in, in Eastern Kentucky, in, in this district, people drive a very, very long ways away to, to get, get anywhere. So prices of gasoline is going to affect that. Um, I think the government's role is to say, Hey, I can make your life as you know, based upon our country and our economic health and this and that, we can make your life a lot easier in a lot of ways. So when inflation does occur, because inflation occurs, uh, it's not going to devastate you. Um, again, like I said, I think that's with uh, massive amounts of, 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 of food subsidies and things like that. So where food prices don't uh, drastically affect you, making sure that your health care is covered. I think by going bigger as a government, um, it can actually reduce some of the stressors that inflation has. And again, like I said, uh, inflation happens for a variety of reasons. The government can't always control that, uh, nor would you want it to necessarily control it. 
Uh, but when it happens, you want to make sure people are comfortable enough to where, uh, you know, price changes don't affect their lives this much. Yeah. I mean, it is honestly, it, it's not a fair thing to say that, you know, like inflation, like isn't having like a devastating toll on people. I, I think we, we feel that all over the place, especially in like in the housing market, for instance, as these prices have been rising all over the country, you know, and honestly, there is a lot of different issues that we could talk about, but I, I kind of want to come to a close, you know, like just basically on this, you know, we, we've talked about a bunch of different issues here today, Connor, but is there one more issue in particular that you feel as though like the people of Kentucky aren't being like heard enough about, like maybe in a national sense or an issue that's resonating more like within your state that, you know, like maybe other people aren't aware of, like, like what is a conversation that you're consistently having with people on the ground? Well, I think that, you know, besides uh, besides Medicare for all and, and healthcare, and besides clean water, which I think is one of those issues that has impacted people beyond what the, the, the nation could understand. It really is the fact that, um, you know, the government has in the past done a lot of things and and, uh, and unions have done a lot of things for people in in, in the state. Uh, you know, my district for as kind of re as Republican as it is just, you know, now it used to be a Democratic stronghold, and that that was because of uh, Democrats' support for unions and, and, and labor rights. And I think that those labor rights, uh, you know, labor impacts cities a lot, but it also impacts a lot of rural areas. A lot of people in rural areas who aren't, you know, who aren't farmers um, have experience with with labor unions. And I think a, a, a full-throated support of, of labor uh, could not just help the Democrats politically, but help the country as a whole. Uh, and I think that a lot of people misunderstand that when they think of Kentucky, they may only think of, uh, you know, it, it. They only think of Kentucky as it is now, which again is very Republican in a lot of areas. But um, you know, Kentucky has had a, a a huge and very intricate labor history. And um, like I said, if if we as the Demo I'm a Democrat, you know, if we, me, and the rest of the Democratic Party fully support labor and fully support uh, labor unions, especially, uh, it it impacts a lot of people's lives beneficially, and people feel more comfortable, and they feel that sense of community um, that that we're missing missing these days. So I think um, that's something that people don't realize about Kentucky. Connor, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate it. Uh, as as a in final and closing, you know, where can people find out more about you and your campaign online, and, and who are you running against, and why should they vote for you? So my website is Connor C O N O R four like the number Kentucky dot com. You can find a lot about me there, and then I'm uh, also active on Twitter and Facebook. If you type in my name, uh, you'll you'll find me on those sites. Uh, yeah, real quickly, my opponent is uh, is Hal Rogers. Uh, he's been in office since 1981. He's 84 years old. Uh, you know, they should vote for me for a whole bunch of reasons. If they feel that there should be, uh, if they feel that congress is too old or, or they're too old-fashioned they should vote for me if they feel like they want someone in congress who actively supports you know their lives they should vote for me if they want medicare for all they should vote for me if they just want someone who's who's willing to to take on the big risks and is not looking for any sort of uh you know personal personal reward i'm just doing this because this is something that i want to do and i feel that it's uh it's it's my duty i've got I've got the ability to to run and represent the people of Eastern Kentucky, so uh, I, I want I want to represent the people of Eastern Kentucky. Uh, my uh, real quickly, just my opponent is um, 
let's just say he's very good at keeping Eastern Kentucky as as siloed as possible. Right. Uh, he wants a lot of control in that area. I don't I don't want that. I want Eastern Kentucky to be as big and powerful and a part of the community and a part of the, the nation as possible. Um, so that's why he would never vote for something like Medicare for all, because it takes power out of his hands and puts it into the people's hands. Um, so if if you want to vote for me, if, if, if you want to see uh, the people actually gain power. So that's what I would say. Connor, thank you so much for coming on the show today. For everyone who is interested, those links that were just referenced will be in the episode description. So go ahead and just check out those links now and they will be down there. If you are interested in helping out Connor, you know, go to his website, check out some of his stuff. You know, thank you again for coming on the show and we will see all of you in the next episode. Thank you, Desmond. Appreciate it.